Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. J.K. Rowling writes, Anything is possible if you have the nerve. Hello, and welcome to Just Make the Thing, a podcast for people who want to start a thing and keep on making it. I'm your host, Claire Tonti, and today I'm joined by Joel Zammett, founder of Sandspants Radio, an independent Australian podcast network, and one of the hardest working blokes in this industry I know. The story behind the building of his network, Sandspants, including their flagship show, Plumbing the Death Star, is a lesson in persistence in old-fashioned hard work and commitment. Joel really knows his stuff about podcasting and about audio editing in general. I mean, the guy was a lecturer teaching students about podcasting and audio long before Planet Broadcasting or any of our networks in Australia were a thing. This is a fascinating chat about the growth of the podcast industry, about success, about what failure teaches you about who you are, and just about grit and determination something that Joel has in spades. Here he is, the grand czar of Sans Pants himself, Joel Zammett. Hello, Joel. Howdy. Hello. How are you doing? Doing all right. Doing all right. That is good. That is good. You're not too sad. Uh, no, not today. Uh, things are going okay. I think my stress levels are at a, a good either ignoring um, <laughs> or they're just fine. Uh, just a lot of suppression. Excellent. <laughs> suppression is good. It's just like putting it all off. It's totally fine. I would say it's a very good coping mechanism. My like therapist might say extreme denial. Uh, <laughs> Not quite sure where I fall, but We're in the whole I thing. cope. I'm dealing. You're dealing. You're running a really great ship. Yeah. So yeah, absolutely. You run the Sans Fans Podcast Network yes. or Sans Fans Radio, as yes. they say. And you are like us, trying to figure out how to do this whole podcasting, networking, internet, mm. businessy thing. Yeah, a lot of it, I guess, is just bilging the water that is overflowing the ship and trying <laughs> to keep it afloat. But yes, it's it's been a it's been a journey. It has, it has. So I want to take you back. Mm-hmm. Where did Sans Pants originate? Uh, so it originated when I was a tutor at La Trobe University mm-hmm. and I was teaching a first year class in media and audio. Um, that's my background in uh, putting together a four minute radio documentary or like a four minute audio documentary. Right. Yeah. And so that was sort of uh, my job. Mm-hmm. Uh, at Latrobe was taking care of a bunch of first years, being like introduce, introducing them to how to put something together in a more practical way. So go out and interview people. How do you, you know, string some sentences together so it's a nice narration, mm-hmm. adding like, you know, a soundscape, all that kind of jazz. Mm-hmm. So a lot of my background is in editing and guess storytelling. And while I was at Latrobe, I was also doing my own sort of thesis and kind of work there. And I found this really beautiful studio like a recording studio that mm. was just not being used. Like it was oh, what a crime. under some stairs. Like the first time we turned it on, there was like a layer of dust everywhere. <laughs> uh, and it was a holdover from 
the music department that Latrobe used to run, but that also got canned. And so they kind of just kept this studio somewhere kind of tucked away safe from the higher up so it wouldn't get knocked over. And I was like, this is amazing. Can, can we utilize this? Cause Latrobe also used to have a student radio program, but this was one of the, like, that was one of the first things to get cut. Uh, with all the student unions mm. being abolished or like the mandatory student unions being abolished. And so I was like, why don't we start a radio show? Like another kind of, you know, tertiary kind of radio thing. And then when I found out this studio existed, I'm like, hey, podcasting is, is a thing. This is back all the way in, I think, like 2012, 2011. Oh, back in the dark ages. Because <laughs> like podcasting by that time had been around for almost 10 years. And so it was in this kind of like, it's weird with like podcasting and, and when you should adopt it or when people kind of got popular. And it was like, if you were there at the start mm. in like 2004 to be like, I'm going to be a pioneer in this. Um, cause you go back and a lot of like, a lot of my like tertiary research was about podcasting as well. Like looking at how it kind of grew. And a lot of that early stuff was really experimental. And like someone mm. was just like their recordings of themselves on a, on a, on a train, on a commute <laughs> and like listening to the kind of conversations going on around. I, just, oh, something dropped. I know. Sorry. <laughs> I was like fiddling with things while I was listening to people. And I just dropped it. I'll oh, pick something else up. Yeah. We use uh playing cards oh. just to shuffle. Like there we, in our studio, we now have about. 10, 20 different decks of um, playing cards because we're all fiddlers. Yeah, and it's yeah. it's a good way to kind of like keep our hands from touching things. That is very good. And dropping things in mid-interview. Mm. Very, very oh, professional. Absolutely. Continue. So <laughs> experimental podcast. Um, so, yeah, you could do kind of anything. It was a bit lawless back then and no one knew what it was and no one knew what they were doing. And so it was like then, or almost like 10 years later, uh, in about 2014, when I think Serial popped on to the to the uh the ether the ether and everyone was like podcasting i'm so happy serial invented podcasting <laughs> there's other things there and so getting back to latrobe sorry if i ramble no uh. i love a ramble <laughs> so you were talking about latrobe and a dust covered studio yes. and you decided podcasting was the thing you were going to start yeah cuz we're doing these like uh, you know teaching these 4 minute audio um documentaries and i was utilizing a lot of the shows that i was listening to at the time like radio lab freakonomics uh, all this kind of stuff and you know like the moth uh, is another great one which is just mm. spoken word so and good. i remember being like there's a lot you can do with audio. And I've always been a big, um, I guess, proponent of audio uh, design, like sound design. And like, you know, there's nothing I think you can, you know, that you know, audio you can't do. And people could be like, oh, what about a big blockbuster action film? I'm like, no, no, you can do that with a soundscape and you can do something like this. It's very, it's harder, yeah, but it, it is relatively easy. Mm. And there's a great uh, audio drama by, uh, I guess it's Andrew Sachs. I think maybe the guy from Faulty Towers. <laughs> uh, uh, it was done like the seventies, and it's called The Revenge. And there, it's no, no, no dialogue, and it's about a twenty-minute audio drama, and it's all just sound effects of a man escaping a prison and seeking revenge on the person that put him there. <sighs> and it's this—it's really this like good twenty-minute um, documentary that I usually like utilize and play it for the class. Um, so I'll be playing like that kind of stuff again, you know, radio loud to be like, this is what they do. Yeah. Um, and, and they're impressive. If you ever like listen to how they put together a show, um, and it's just very impressive and like Freakonomics and like all these kind of stuff that you can, you know, with mm. really high produced audio that you can kind of tell a story. So they've been putting all together these like four minute 
documentaries and some of them are really really amazing and it's like you know you can extrapolate out so you can make this a bit longer and you podcasting things that you know is happening anyone know what that is of course no one does and so you're like well this, this is here they are and this is what this thing is so we have a recording studio so let's try and do something and so i kind of went around um the first second third year classes in media uh, and was trying to nervously pitch an idea of like an after-school program <laughs> to uh, let's do a podcast and you know, put my name out there and we got some interest or I got some interest. Um, so I got like, you know, the, the basic um, support staff were very, very keen in this, like all the, the, the tech side were like, yeah, let's, we'll help you out any way we can. And they were very, very helpful in sort of getting us all together and very supportive. And so we got uh, roughly around about say 50 odd people that were kind of in, uh, keen and some of them were like more comedy based so that's the sort of um where it sort of ended up but they were comedy based you got more people who were more like interested in music and people who were interested in say more um, journalism and that kind of stuff and it, it was just one of those things where the squeaky wheel gets the most oil and you know, you, you sort of keep whittling it down. So it was like, all right, cool. I'm here as a resource. Let's like utilize, you know, me and the facility and what we can sort of do. And, you know, we kind of went through and it was the people who kind of kept coming back day after day were the people who were more interested in comedy, mm. um, which is something like I've never really dabbled in myself. Like I'd like to think I'm entertaining, but I was more the kind of like hard hitting journalism. Like we should feel and care and want That's things so to be moved. Interesting. People. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so it's just like, well, I guess we're doing comedy. Good. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I could right. be funny. Sure. Yeah. I can. I can. I know a lot about pop culture. Yeah. Sure. Sure. Let's do that. And so initially, it was very much. Just them, and so uh, show shut up a second, which was one of our one of the earliest shows. That was the first show that we sort of recorded and did. And I was like, "Cool, you guys, you do it. I'll edit it." Because that was my background, and I was sort of using it as a good exercise in learning how to use a uh, editing program that I still use today. So I was like, "Cool, you guys do that. I'll edit it. Put put which it together." Which editing program do you use? I use a uh, Reaper. Ah, cool. Reaper is a very good program. I cut my teeth on Audacity, which is terrible. I'm sorry, but it no, is. it is terrible. We only use it because that's all we know how to use, and we're lazy. <laughs> but it's not good. Uh, I know. Yeah. So I, uh, Audacity is what I like, like cut my teeth on, and also what I taught a lot of. Um, and, and it's good for what it is, which is free. It's someone's like my first basic audio editing. And it's like, you, you learn the basics and the principles behind it, but it's very destructive editing as in like you put a file there when you make cuts and deletes, it's gone. Right. Whereas, yeah. um, Reaper is non-destructive editing. So mm. it'll kind of put up a visual representation of all the audio there. You'll make some cuts and you'll move things around, but it'll never actually alter the original file. Uh, and we also taught Pro Tools as well. Um, so Pro Tools is like this really expensive digital audio, audio uh, workstation and it comes with like equipment you got to buy, like an M box and all these other things. Mm. And uh, for the longest time, I fought with the um, coordinators to be like, this is too complicated for a lot of the students because we go from Audacity to Pro Tools. Can we please do something else in between? And I fought really hard for Reaper, which I got it. Uh, while I was there, which was nice. And so I was sort of in charge of putting together this kind of like, how are you using this? Which is, it's, it's a very simple program to use. And anyone out there who's like dabbling in any sort of, um, audio medium, I highly recommend it simply because like it's, it's, they offer like a 60 day free trial and you can, you know, uh, try around with it and be like, yep, cool. I, I like it. And it's very, very simple to use. 
and it helps mm. like an auto fade. Oh, I can't stress how good having an auto fade is. Like when you cross over to, <laughs> yeah. like you make a split, you know, move them together, uh, it just auto does it. And you're like, oh my God, this is beautiful. I love it. It's so good. That's like, I know GarageBand is GarageBand, but it's, mm. but I used to use that um, before I used Audacity. And there's lots of little things like that that were fun about it mm. that I missed in Audacity. And James is very much meat and potatoes editing. <laughs> He's just like, this is the show, this is the way it is. And I like to try and mush things together and mix it all up. And yeah. I did find that, I found that with Audacity that it would just, I'd be like, where's my, what? Yeah. I can't just stick two tracks together and it <laughs> won't just kind of lovingly kind of merge. Yeah. And, it, and I like to think about editing as painting and mm. mushing stuff up. Anyway. Now no, I have someone else to do my editing. So. Oh, well, that's fair enough. <laughs> it is. So what I'm gathering from this, Sans Pants really came from the base of your students and, and mm. the teaching you were doing at the time. Yes. When did it actually become Sans Pants? I think probably our our second, I guess, year of doing it. Because we, when we were starting off, we had no idea. I had no idea what was going on. We were doing dumb things like, you know, we were doing like a bunch of different shows and throwing them at the wall and seeing what stuck. And we still had no idea what an RSS feed was at that point mm-hmm. or who to host with or where to go. And so we made some real terrible you know, decisions early on. And we had stuff where it was like, well, we'll just call it Sans Pants Radio. And we were putting like our own kind of idea, like, all right, we'll have like an A week, a B week, a C week and a D week. So like a four week rotation. So we'll have like one show a month kind of thing, but four shows and rotating. And it's like, we're putting a lot more care and thought into like our own schedule than anyone who ever would listen would care. (laughs) And the problem there was like, you know, we'd have, you know, a comedy show, a a pop culture show, a bit more of a serious discussion show. And, and so the tones were just wildly different. And so it was a, just a bad idea um, that we did. And then we got like an email being like, hey, we're another RSS host. I think it was Spreaker. Uh, and they were like, hey, uh, would you like to sign up? Because when we were starting off, we had multiple shows. And because we were basically a bunch of different students being like, well, we all have different ideas. And paying for like a separate RSS feed for each kind of idea was very expensive at the time mm. for all of us um, being students. <laughs> and Breaker offered for like one payment, you could create many different shows and have different RSS feeds. So we were like, well, this is a really cool idea. Well, let's try that. And so we signed up and tried that and split our feeds. And through that, um, which will be the smartest thing we've ever done, which was an accident. Um, and so we, we split the feed. So, and this was when Plumbing the Death Star, which is sort of a more well-known flagship show um, that was sort of coming into its own. And so we launched with 12 episodes and as we were recording. And even then we were sort of still being like, well, we've riddled down the shows to like two, Shut Up a Second and Plumbing the Death Star. And we were still going to do that A week, B week. So it's kind of like, all right, two a month. That's sort of doable for both shows. That's fine. And so we started with the Plum and the Duster on the on this new feed, put that up on iTunes, and you know went message you know you message people like hey can you make a huge favor can you just like download subscribe and rate and review that'd be super cool, <laughs> um, and we just did that to like like all our Facebook friends at the time like people like you know those acquaintances you have from high school that have just added you and you never speak to, so I'm like I'll just ask them, and so we all did that and I think that really just bumped up the 
the charts as it were like the, mm. the new and noteworthy and all that kind of jazz and then we were contacted by itunes being like hey love the show and we got featured on itunes and then it just sort of went from like 10 downloads a week to like 3000 and then it just kind of like just kept going up and up uh and after that happened we just had like several meetings internally and we're like it'd be stupid if now we just kept going bi-monthly let's make this weekly so we just ramped up production like crazy and it was in those months very early on where me and co-host jackson were very much on that same page like cool well this is going somewhere this is a lot of fun and we could actually make this into sort of a business and I remember this meeting between the three of the three co-hosts of Plumbing the Desta. So me, Joel Dusher, and Jackson. And me and Jack, there was like something happening, like a, a mutual friends like party, and we still had to record a couple episodes. And we just had this. Dusher was like, "I'm worried you guys are seeing this as more as a business than just groups of mates hanging out." And me and Jack were like, "Yes, yes, we are." <laughs> <laughs> which put like i guess production on a bit of a halt while we had we were sort of like mashed out this conversation but it was very much like yeah no no this is this is we're taking this very seriously which is it's very weird to say that we like we're a comedy show but we, we take it somewhat seriously or very seriously and i think from then on it was more of a all right cool we can start doing this yeah, at least a bit more not full time but at least putting a lot more time and energy um, what made you think it was serious? One, after a while, we launched uh, a Patreon because we were like, that was kind of coming on the scene, which for those who are not sure what that is, it's like explaining one thing with another thing, which is like <laughs> Kickstarter, uh, but on a monthly basis. So Kickstarter is, I have an idea for a project. Um, help me fund help it. Help me fund it, please. And yeah. so people are like, ah, oh, cool, there's a goal. Whereas Patreon is, is, is a lot nicer tool for people who do ongoing things. And mm. so it's like, a, I do a thing that's ongoing. So if you want to pay me per month or per thing, fantastic. And so that was sort of uh, launching and we were looking into that being like, well, this is kind of cool. Well, it'd be nice to sort of pay for like our hosting, our, um, you know, any microphones that we may or may not need. Mm. So that was sort of ticking along and it was quite slowly. I remember the very first person who was like, because we, we did like, again, so many dumb decisions now, like looking back on it, but we had like, you know, all these different levels of like reward tiers and, you know, you pay this much money, we'll basically come to your house and hug you. Um, <laughs> I remember one person going really the high tier and we're like, oh man, this is so thank you. Like, what would you like? He's like, nothing. I, I love you guys. I love the content you're making. Just keep doing that. And I'm, I'm, I'm really grateful for that. And I'm like, oh, sick. And it, it's this weird thing that like, oh, people just like us for what we're currently doing. We don't have to keep bribing them with things. <laughs> this is a weird experience. Uh, and at the time, Latrobe, oh, I'm so sorry I'm throwing my like former employee under the bus, but they were going through some budget cuts, uh, a lot of budget cuts. And a lot of my uh, subjects I was teaching, like I was actually brought in to teach the subjects out. So I, mm. um, they sort of got rid of my former boss and they were like, well, all these uh, subjects need to be taught out and you've got three years to sort of teach them out. And so I was like sick. So I spent those three years going hard and trying to make it, uh, you know, like, Hey, maybe don't put us on the chopping block. And like, they would use a lot of what we were doing in sort of open days and that kind of stuff. And we're really involved heavily in, in, in those kind of things and really trying to bring light into sort of the media, uh, degree. Mm. And there was like some last ditch efforts and that kind of stuff. Like, Pend notes to our um, chancellor, like, please don't cut this. This is mm. doing really well. And let me guess, 
They cut uh, us. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. so I was looking into the, uh, uh, the unemployment abyss for a bit and I was like, okay. And at that point in time, we were earning like an, enough to cover, like say my rent and a little bit of food. And if I could dig into my savings, I would be fine. And so we were earning like, that much money. That was like a very hard decision or not hard, it's a hard conversation with um, the members at the time. And basically, I just came to them all as a group and I was like, okay, so we're currently earning this much money. We could split that up and we could have everyone walks away with like 200 bucks, 100 bucks a month. And that's fantastic. Everyone goes out for a meal a couple times uh, a month and everyone's happy. Or if I take that, I can then um, use this as my full time job. I can keep editing. I can keep pushing this content. I can keep going out there and trying to make any sort of connections. And if we do that, then I can make this my full-time job and we can keep um, going forward with this. Because if I can't do that, I then have to go and, you know, look at other sort of uh, work, which would mean the time I would be spending on this would slowly and slowly decrease. Mm. Thankfully, they always like, no, that's a good argument. That's a good idea. And they all basically went, yep, that's fair enough. And... I think very early on, we've had this sort of concept of short-term sacrifice for long-term reward. And a lot of that sort of goes, it's basically our company motto sometimes. It's just like, all right, so what do we want? All right, we're going to just like knuckle down and not do this for now because in the in the end, we have faith in this. And a lot of it was, you know, uh, their faith in the company or their faith in the product we're putting and, and a lot of their faith in me, which was very touching. And basically from that moment on where it was like, yep, we are going to you know, try 100% to do this. Unfortunately, because I got made redundant, <laughs> we also lost the access of the studio. So that was another kind of like big scramble to be like, well, what are we going to do and how are we going to go about this? And that was a lot of you know, buying some equipment, sort of similar to what you guys got set up, if not a lot worse and cheaper. Oh, God. We <laughs> <laughs> couldn't uh, get too much worse than this. <laughs> and, yeah, so we sort of uh, did that for a long time, trying to find different places to record. And it worked for a little bit. Like, we'd have basically a little kit where i just bundle everything up and get into a car and go to someone's house and we'd just set up there and do a few things. Like, I remember we recorded at uh, Douche's family house and it's under a flight path so we had to like and wait for the plane good and keep going um remember once we were recording at jack's house he lives up in like the sticks it's just like a nightmare episode where like the dog is trying to attack the mixer uh, <laughs> someone else is also in the room trying like their best not to be engaged but also kind of like being there and laughing and all that kind of jazz and it just is a was a nightmare and schmozzle of a show but Oh, it was good. I think Jack's mum ends up at one point coming in offering us cookies or like. <laughs> but isn't the, the worst stuff that happens sometimes the best content? Oh, like, it is. It it's just like we're soldiered through. Like I'm basically losing it, and Jack and Dusha are like we're we're basically like on this podcast raft, and we're making this episode work. Just keep going. Yeah, that was a bit of a fun experience for all of us. Yeah. Uh, these sort of like tumultuous uh, months and not knowing where we were. To eventually um, finding a house that would, um, we were looking for a house to um, to rent that would, with the idea that one room will be the studio. 
And so eventually found this one place that we actually really liked and dug, and then we sort of like set that all up. And ever since that, we've sort of been slowly improving and making this a kind of a space that is friendly and easy to use that like, yeah, it's really nice where we've sort of ended up Mm. in. So do you all live together? Me, Adam and Jack live together. Right. And uh, Dusha lives with our video editor, Ed Goose. Cass is like five minutes away and he's usually like sleeping on the spare bed, mattress in the middle of the lounge room. <laughs> it's it's a very like a weird share house that's yeah. sort of uh, grown from all this. How does that work? So living with your business partners and in the mix? Uh, it, it, there's some times where he's like, I want to be left alone. Please, everyone Do go away. Do you ever want to kill them or something? Do they <laughs> drive the you insane? <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, it, because we're so, I guess, we've been sort of doing this now for so long. We've sort of been knowing each other for so long. And the house is at least big enough that we can kind of all separate and do our own thing, which is kind of nice. Because we are, I think, especially me and Jack in particular, we're, we are workhorses-ish. I think Jack's relationship with me is very much, he always describes it as, it's like two dogs. You've got him, which is this old dog, which is like, I'm happy sleeping on this bed out in the porch. And then there's me, which is this like border collie, which is like, can we keep doing things? And I'll just keep running back and forth. I'm like, what about this thing? And then I keep running back and forth. And he's like, slowly gets up. He's like, all right, I guess we're doing this thing. Because, uh, I know, I can't sit still. I don't know if I have ADHD or what, but I need like 16 plates spinning at once. Mm. So, I don't know. I, I guess the, the rush of dropping a plate is exhilarating. Um, <laughs> so, we kind of keep having little projects or stuff that's kind of like, what if we did this? What if we did this? What if we did this? <laughs> uh, and which, something comes off. Yeah. I wonder if I'm the problem, if they find me infuriating. <laughs> think maybe. Well, you sound like the engine, though, that's yeah. keeping everything running. And then <laughs> do you find that it's comforting to have people who aren't like you so that you're pulling people along with you? Yeah, I, I think I have to be my own boss. I think if I was being pulled by someone else, I would rebel instantly. I know it's like the, yeah. the, the inner shit kicker in me is like, no, I want me <laughs> The border collie would start eating up the furniture yeah, yeah, or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. You don't tell me what to do. I'll tell me what to do. So yeah. uh, it is nice having a lot of people around that are sort of like on that same wavelength. And in recent years, months, I've sort of only learned the benefit of delegating. <laughs> So, mm. so I remember once it was this, this weird, weird, weird time we were sort of having a discussion with someone and then Jax just piped up being like, yeah, it's not only have we sort of accidentally created this successful podcasting network, uh, Zamet, he's pointing at me, is like, you've accidentally successfully created a business that's working. And I was like, oh yeah, I have, that's great. <laughs> um, but a lot of what we do is by the seat of our pants and a lot of what we do is it's like, what if we did this? And you know, if you're trying 10 things and eight of them fail, but two of them are successful, it kind of is, is kind of net balances there. Yeah. Which is what I sort of feel sometimes. You're like, yeah. this thing is, is worked, this thing didn't. Is there, was there, have, or have there been multiple moments where you're like, I can't do this, I can't do it anymore, this is too hard? Oh, 100%. There's, there's been times where, like, I think I had almost like a breakdown. No, yeah, I have to have, definitely had that. Uh, I remember once I drive, again, driving Jack home. And we were just chatting about how things were going. And then I'm just driving. I'm like, I think I'm having a panic attack. <laughs> yeah. Hey, do you mind if I come in and have a cup of tea or something? Because, like, yeah, it was that realization that what we were sort of doing is, like, none of this is it. This is how we're sort of going. Like, I guess the biggest thing I did was, uh, I guess, in terms of, like, a stress panic attack or not so much panic attack, but this, like, this overwhelming feeling. We were in Edinburgh. 
and it was like the last couple days of our, our tour and we went to the UK and I just kind of, I was, I was sitting in the, the cafe that JK Rowling wrote Harry Potter in. Wow. And I was sitting in there and just, just having a mental breakdown with this like tears there almost down my face and being like, what, what am I going on? What am I going through? And having basically this really existential crisis type thing and just feeling so alone in a foreign country. And it was all just sort of came crashing down. And I'm not entirely sure what pulled me back, but I just, I just know I was having such a terrible time. Not like with the show or with everything like that, because they were like very, very successful. It was like lovely meeting all the people there. It was just things that were happening with my personal life that was all just being affected because I'd been running so hard at this business. And that's the sort of thing people don't tell you about is the sacrifices you make along the way. Mm. You know, it just comes to this decision or you come to this conclusion where it's just like, you know, where this is this, this, um, thing you've created, where it's going. And I remember just being in this thing and I was just like, I basically like I lost a long-term relationship because of this whole business we were doing. And it, it was this decision that it's like, you know, where do you have priorities? Where do your priorities lie? And you realize like, well, work and this thing I'm putting is number one. And that's a problem for me and for my, my then partner and all that kind of jazz. And it's like, I just don't think I could put myself like her through this all. I guess a lot of that was sort of all coming together in this sort of like lovely cafe where I was having a uh, lapsang souchong. <laughs> <laughs> and just like this feeling just the worst human being I think I've ever felt in my life. So looking forward to going back to Edinburgh. <laughs> yeah. And so that was sort of, yeah, this is a really hardship of like, yeah, I guess not having anyone to talk to as well really didn't help. <laughs> mm. um, and yeah, this this feeling of being alone and overwhelmed and you know i'm doing a lot better these days but it is this kind of thing where yeah you're in this sort of business or in this um this new medium where there's not many of us mm. and that there's no one to sort of have a chat to or there's no one to really be like go for advice a lot of the thing is you are doing it by the city of your pants which don't get me wrong is exhilarating at times mm. but at other times you're like is what i'm doing good is what yeah. i'm doing correct is is this do you like yeah. Yeah. Isn't that interesting that I would say being in Edinburgh, is that sort of a dream almost that you're mm. there you're performing live shows to crowds who really appreciate what you're doing mm. and you've kind of built this thing up to a point where it, by everyone, everyone else's accounts mm. successfully yeah, and yet you get there and you see something completely different? Yeah. It was this really weird experience because it by all accounts, exactly. It's like you're, you're, you're hitting all these goals or you're hitting these marks that by any stretch of the imagination, you're like, oh, successful, you're doing really well. You should be proud of yourself. But you're like, yeah. I am, I am doing really well, but okay, all right, yep, super good. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the sort of stuff, because you used to do a lot of theater and that kind of thing, it's, you know, you put on the face. And so you go from being this kind of um, insular kind of introvert little goblin man to being like, <laughs> in a studio in RMIT yeah, in a dungeon yeah, yeah. yeah. and you're like all right and then you kind of wave a hand in front of your face and you're like and now we're performing to the people and giving them what they want but yeah it was just this weird weird experience and like I used to grow like I grew up near uh, like a, on a beach town 
sort of like, you know, back and forth kind of thing. Our, our folks had like a holiday house down the beach. And so I always love the water. I love going to the beach. And I always feel like I think better with the beach. And Edinburgh is near a sea, but not quite near a sea. And I just remember like getting up one morning and just telling us like, I'm going to the beach. <laughs> they're like, hmm? I'm like, yep. And I just went for a giant walk. <laughs> Uh, never quite made it because we had some like problems with like uh, I had the only key to the um, where we were staying and we had like a door list that we needed and I like, I just kept fighting them and I'm like can't you come to me can't you just do something I just need I need to like a compulsion a compelling just to I don't know just see the see ocean, the ocean. Yeah. Um, but I never did <laughs> <laughs> um, due to other constraints oh. and yeah it was just one of those moments where it was like one of the most I guess selfish things for me that I wanted to do something that had to just be like, okay, for my own well-being, I guess I got to reel that back in because we've got to do this. Yeah. Yeah. Do you feel the pressure of carrying the ship? Yeah. Like uh, my my beard was never like white until after the UK. Yeah. There there is this sort of pressure to keep everything going to kind of keep everything kind of like well oiled and we you know we've got schedules and deadlines and that kind of stuff. Mm. But we you know it, it's good to chat about it. It's good to talk about it. Mm. Um, you know we started a new sh- a podcast called Why Am I Sad? Yeah, which, which definitely is great. delves into all of this. It's really important though because <laughs> I think when you're working creatively. There's this perception that if you suddenly make it, in inverted commas, mm. that then your life is great and all your problems are over. Mm. Or if you earn a certain amount of money or you reach a certain pinnacle, but the mm. human nature part of us yeah. seems to just get to that thing that we thought that we wanted and then are happy for like a second. And then the next thing we're like, but but I should have this many followers. <laughs> I should have this much success. Maybe if I have this much money, suddenly my problems will be over. Yeah. And it's... It's yeah. not what it is at all, yeah. is it? It's, it's like, maybe this will make me happy. It didn't. Why not? Yeah. Why dead inside? Yeah. So are there things that you do now since that time in Edinburgh to help with that? Yeah. I, uh, I, I basically I do yoga almost daily now. So I like sort of meditate and kind of relax. I talk a lot more um, to people, which is like I don't keep things as bottled up. And as I said, I delegate now. So the stress isn't so much just like boring into the back of my head. Mm. But yeah, it is a sort of weird thing because you realize, oh, yes, the problems that are there are still there. <laughs> um, yeah, so running away doesn't help. Ignoring them doesn't help. And again, that was like another huge problem. And the realization in like, you know, in Edinburgh, it's just like, you know, where the show is going, but again, like personal life and relationships and that kind of stuff. And it's this realization that like, I'm not happy and I haven't been for some time. And oh boy, what does that entail now? I don't want to think about that because that means decision-making and that means there's going to be some problems and maybe some conflicts. And I don't want to, I don't, I'm not, I'm not a huge man when it comes to conflict. I'm like, oh, hey, I'm everyone's friends. Everything's fine. Good and fine. I'm not great when it comes to conflict. So it was just like suppressing, suppressing, suppressing and suppressing until it's just like things sort of snap and things kind of come into play. And you're like, I think we need to do this mm. and, uh, you know, sit down, have like some awkward conversations or some awkward decision-making and, go forward from there mm. and things yeah honestly worked out a lot better than like in my head because i guess that's the problem of anxiety is it just works itself up to things that aren't actually real yeah it's often the case isn't it and the things yeah. you project onto other people what they think of you yeah or what things are happening and i found too this is going to sound super weird that being in pain in, mm-hmm. in experiencing shit that is really awful and terrible mm. 
at the in the outcome of it at, in the wash facing that pain and walking towards it being open saying this is how I actually feel this is who I actually am at the other side of it mm. so much better yeah so and and you learn so much and grow so much and as ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Shit and awful as it can be at the time, I think it makes you a better artist, a better creative person. Yeah, you end up in a much better place. Mm. But unfortunately, you have to walk through all of the shit first <laughs> to I, get yeah. there and not be scared to kind of examine it and look mm. at it. Well, yeah, that's the thing. It's kind of like, you know, you need to really have this like deep introspection and like, you know, you should know yourself. And you're like, but I don't like what I know now. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to face this. <laughs> and then you're like, oh, yeah, look, I guess this. But yeah, yeah again, a lot of introspection and a lot of that kind of stuff. Yeah. And so, you know, you walk out the other side a better person. And, you know, once they sort of put all these things into place, it did feel like you know, this, this giant, you know, you, Weight it's such a, yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's a, such a cliche phrase, but it's so true. You're just like this, this weight I never knew I was carrying around. I'm like, oh, I can breathe again. I didn't mm. realize I, I, I wasn't breathing for, you know, several years or months or whatever it was. And it's just like, oh, I, I feel like I can stand taller now. I feel like a lot of things, like a pride in who I am. Yeah. And sometimes you can just put the rocks down. Yeah. You don't have to be carrying them yeah. everywhere with you every minute of the day. <laughs> exactly. Where do you get this kind of incessant drive to work from? I don't know. I, I think I, I you know, growing up, I was a bit of a couch potato and I was somewhat lazy. And I, I think it's, just, it's that fear of being that person. I know left to my own devices, I would be happy doing nothing. Wow. And I mean, literally nothing. I mean, lying down still. <laughs> <laughs> An inanimate object. <laughs> yes. If I could be a chair. Oh, the dreams. Um, but like, I know left to my own device. I could just see myself doing nothing. And so I need to put those things, like it was like roadblocks almost in place that if I'm doing something, I'm, I'm pushing towards something, at least I'm not being that person who, you know, grew up and was fairly sedentary, had like, you know, was very, very lazy, was all those kind of things. And so I, I think that may be the reason. Uh, haven't quite delved into it, but I, I think it is this kind of um, a, reje a rejection of that because that's just not healthy and not good for anybody uh, yeah. if I'm a sedentary man. And, How, what yeah. changed for you from being that sedentary Joel is still an animate object? Oh, I don't, I'm not sure what changed or what made, made me make that decision. I, I, I think it was just like, you, you know, when you hear snippets or you overhear things when you're a kid or like a teen that, that you probably shouldn't have mm. about who you are and you're like, well, that's just mean. Yeah. Um, and so I think it comes from that aspect as well. Yeah, it's just this sort of this drive to kind of, well, if I if I'm doing something, also it's like if you're doing something, you don't have to have you know you don't have to think about what a trash human being you you are sometimes, and so you can kind of ignore all those sort of like uh, that self doubt and uh, I guess that you know uh, 
anxiety or, or um, you know, having that low yeah. self-esteem or low self-worth, you can kind of be like, I can push that aside and focus on this because if this is something that I'm enjoying, something that's fun, and this is something that, you know, people that are enjoying themselves, you can kind of like really throw yourself into that. Mm. At least I know I can. Mm. And so a lot of that is just pushing this lazy zamet away. Um, and focusing on being someone who is a bit more driven or a bit more um, have ambition and that kind of stuff. Because I, I know at like, you know, he says when you talk about, you know, you look within yourself and like, who who am I? Know yourself. And a very, very lazy man. <laughs> very lazy. And like, I choose not to do things. Uh, it's, you know, my, my favorite thing is cancelling plans at the last minute. So I just have a night in. It's yes. Like, uh, one of Cass was like, I'm going to invite you to something, but like, if you don't want to come, that's fine. Because now I've known, I've, I've given you the gift of either coming out and having a good time or the gift of saying no. And yeah. I'm like, oh, you know me so well. <laughs> you sound a lot like someone I live with. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, I think a lot of that is just, I think I wasted like five years of my life playing uh, World of Warcraft. <laughs> uh, maybe it's just like a somewhat of an addictive personality. And doing nothing can be very addictive. So I, I try very hard to not do that. Mm. And so I've become addicted with work, which is, you know, <laughs> just as good and healthy. <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's healthier, isn't it? Because you're providing a service to people. Exactly. And yeah. building a community of people around you. And you've built an incredible thing. Just incredible. I just, I think so wonderful. And so many people out there, I'm sure, can relate to that sort of Joel that plays video games mm. all day and sits on the couch mm. and kind of dreams of being that person, that ambitious person that's that's created something and you've done it. Oh, thank you so should much. You should be so proud of yourself. I should be, correct. You should. <laughs> what I love about talking to people like you who make stuff and ostensibly would be a role model for a lot of people mm. out there mm. and looking at you from the outside and going, oh, look, look how great he is. He's done all this really cool stuff and made all this stuff. He's so hardworking and I could never do that. Every person I speak to at the end of the day has that same mm. story that, well, actually – I was that person who didn't think I could do it and yeah. and I'm doing it yeah. and it's it's about just getting up off the couch. <laughs> and don't get me wrong, I still sometimes think I'm not that person that's doing it. I think it's called imposter syndrome where oh, so many times you're like, what? This is wrong. I shouldn't be. <laughs> Are you, but me? What? <laughs> no, thank you. That's just weird. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I think a lot of that is sort of just floating around in the ether above my head. How do you deal with imposter syndrome? I don't know. I, I think I just soldier on. Like you just kind of like, again, having, having a good support network. Uh, this is where I compare ourselves to like a lot, a lot of, a lot of YouTubers, that kind of mm -hmm. stuff is where a lot of YouTubers seem to just do it by themselves. And it, it's like an echo chamber of one. Um, and so they can kind of either fall into like this situation where they do some very dumb things and they upload some very dumb things because in forests, in forests, yeah, kinds of on the same wavelength. Yep, good. Yes, because yeah. this, you know, either they they themselves have had this cult of personality where they are always correct, whereas we started off as a group of dickheads um, who, started and, and are still there. <laughs> and that's where I think it's, it's really good to have a, a close knit group of friends. And while we can also be echo chambery at times, because of course, you know, we can, that's a, yeah, we all a are. big problem of our current society. Completely. Um, it is good to have people to sort of bounce off and who are going through the same thing. 
and to be like, well, what about this? And then how about this? And it's, it's really nice to have, uh, particularly in say Plum on the Death Star, where it's myself, Dusha and Jack. And we have this kind of, um, lovely dynamic of Dusha, who is always like basically the, like the pessimist of the group, who is always like naysaying this and like all that kind of stuff. And he's just like, it's going to be a failure. Why? It's like, we haven't sold out this, this and this yet. And I'm like, it's so early on, man. Chill. It's like, it's been online for like three minutes and no one's bought a ticket. It's going to fail. And I'm like, calm. <laughs> and then Jack to be on the opposite spectrum where I was like, it'll be fine. It'll all work out in the wash. Everything's going amazing. We're doing He's good. the old man on the couch. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. He seems wise beyond his years. Mm-hmm. And so it's nice to have these two sort of rocks, as it were, to sort of rely on. And within me in the middle, kind of having a bit of both and being a bit more pragmatic, but also kind of like also falling into that pessimistic or optimistic side, depending on the weather. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You need to have both, I think. that's Because at the heart of it all, which I've discovered with this show as well, being a creative person is just being a human person mm. and everyone has insecurities and mm. things they worry about and that pit that they are scared of falling into behind them with all of the things like, for me, it's a whole pack of Tim Tams and back-to-back episodes of <laughs> Sex in the City for days. Hells you yeah. know, that kind of, yeah, that kind of pit. And then in front of you, the like imagined version of how perfect your life would be. And you're always kind of in the middle of between those two. I know Steely Vicola did oh, a bit yeah. of that in her stand-up. And so I think what grounds us and what actually being human is about is just your friends, right? And oh, family exactly. or the people you consider family. Yeah. It's so important to have a support network. Uh, and whatever that support network is, it can be a it could be a partner, it can be a group of friends, it can be family. It is so integral to having that. And mm. it, it's so nice that I've gotten to this point where I or I do have that. And I can be very open and honest with. It's weird calling them staff, like with my staff. Oh god, it's weird, right, yeah. isn't it? It's I know. Like, I'm technically your boss. Weird. Like uh, having conversations with sort of like, you know, my, my actual family <laughs> and like how like, you know, running a business and that kind of stuff, they come from this old guard almost of like, you keep everything very yeah. like opaque behind closed doors and this kind of stuff. Whereas I'm very open and honest. So I have to be like, I know I've always loved that idea of, you know, being an open company, being very honest with what we do. And, you know, anyone's got a question with like, you know, oh, what are this, this and this? I'm like, oh, well, this is what exactly how we're doing it. This is exactly mm-hmm. how we started. This is exactly how we're laying things out. And so when, you know, certain things happen within the company, it's like, okay, this is happening. And I'm very blunt about it. And I'm very blunt about like, well, this is what's going on. And I, I think that really, really, really helps. It sort of has created this sort of environment where we can chat about that. We are honest. We are open. And it is very, very nice and good to have. Mm. because, you know, what's the point of lying to yourself, really? (laughs) Yeah, or lying to the people. Yeah, that's what I'm really struggling with at the moment, the idea that I'm in some way a boss of other people Mm. or I'm in charge of things. Mm. I really struggle with that because I'm all like, we're all mates, right? We're just all getting along. (laughs) We're all working together. Isn't it all fun? But then when you have money Mm. in the mix, but there are also people that you really find you know a great kind of mateship with and and i obviously planet broadcasting is mm. a lot different to sans pants in lots yeah. of ways how do you i know you said you're really open and honest and that's how mm. you walk that line did you have to have some conversations or have you thought through that approach was there a kind of moment where you were like 
Ooh, I'm a boss now of a business. <laughs> I'm having that realization right now. Uh, <laughs> um, no, not really. It, it's just I, I tend not to think when I talk, um, which is how I get myself into these positions. But like, it was a lot of just I, I treat this sort of like my employees or the staff as I would want to be treated as an employee or a staff member. And so it's just like, well, here is what is happening. And we're very open and honest with uh how you know how we run so it's like if anyone's got a problem or if anything's happening with lines it's like oh cool 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 this and so again when it comes with money for example it's like there is a limited you know amount in like the bank so it's always going to be like we can have a discussion if you want to pay a rise or if you want to buy a thing or if you want to do this but it's a discussion and i'll be open with it and it'll be like cool well what do we want all right how will this benefit why do you think this yeah, cool, that makes sense. Or unfortunately, that doesn't make sense. Or unfortunately, we can't do that just yet because mm. of this, this, and this. You know, these things sort of like happen. And it's just yeah, like... Yeah, just uh, as they come up. And again, it's just like ability or this sort of um, community where we we are all all friends. And it's weird that we didn't, we didn't start off as friends. Like Jack and Zoe knew each other in sort of passing because they went to the same high school, but then Jack was a bit older than her. Dusha was in the same class and... It was just Jack and Zoe were like, hey, Dusha, you're going to be on a podcast. And he was like, hmm, what? Okay. And we didn't necessarily start off as friends, which sort of made this transition into a business and then made this transition into sort of like, as well as business and friends and colleagues, kind of easy as we were sort of all doing that together at once. Mm. And so it's a very odd way that we've sort of um, put together this whole company. Yeah. Um, is that, yeah, we weren't just like good friends um, doing a thing. Because I've gone into business with, you know, good friends from like my childhood and they failed miserably wow. with a lot of turmoil. And, you what know, were some of your other businesses? I, so I used to do like an outdoor cinema um, oh, cool. type thing. And yeah, it just did not do well because, like, again, it was like friends from high school kind of stuff. And it was just like, it came to the point to being like, do you want to remain friends? Because if we do, we need to stop this. <laughs> Yeah. And so that just dissolved because, like, we just had to because yeah, we were just, yeah. like, it just wasn't working. Mm. And so, yeah, it's a very weird thing how it's all sort of pieced together. Yeah. Mm. I want to ask you just for my own – I don't know if anyone else will find this interesting, but I want to ask you some questions about um, your company in general. Yeah. Do you pay your podcasters as staff, like a flat wage? Yeah. We, we sort of had this really – like, the discussion really early on to be – Right, well, how do we do this? And do we be like, okay, well, each show has a budget. And we'll take, say, Shut Up a Second as a good example because mm. it has a rotating cast. And so we're like, all right, well, do we give a show a budget? And then we break that down to monthly. And so then in a month is four shows. And then do we break that down into, well, who's on each episode? And then mm. we split it up like that. Mm-hmm. And that to me just is screamed arsake in terms of micromanaging. Yeah, I love that too. I've never heard that before, but yes, that yeah, sounds yeah. like a lot of what I do with my accounts. Yeah. So I was like, well, that seems not the best idea. Okay. And then another problem then, it was like, this was when we had just two shows. Mm. And it's like, well, then we have also Plumbing the Death Star. And we also have like, well, then Jack and Dusha are on the other show as well. So, all right, do we then do the same thing there? And then the other problem was, well, I'm editing both. And well, what do I take out of this? Do I take an equal share because I'm doing all the editing as well. And so it was like a lot of back and forth, like, well, that just seems so micromanagey. And then the problem there is the incentive is to do an episode to get paid rather than because you want to do an episode. Mm. So we're like, oh, we'll just, we'll, we won't do that. That's, that's, that's a silly thing to do. So then we're like, all right, cool. 
well, why don't we just do it like the merit based on like, you know, what each person does for the company? Well, that's not a bad idea. And uh, initially that was sort of working out. And because we do Patreon for the network, which is, it helps all the Sandspans Plus now for the network. It's like, yeah, we have this kind of pool of mm. um, that could be Thanks. split up. Mm. But the problem there is how do you divvy that up? How do you know what someone signed up for? How do you know what someone listens to? Yeah, you, and then it, then it becomes a very like, mm, that, that is a problem, which is something we're still haven't quite worked out. And so a lot of conversations was like, well, we have this figure now that we're getting per month. And, you know, we have our expenditures, which, uh, you know, the more you sort of end up doing, the more they sort of rise. Like our internet bill is like 600 a month. Oh, my God. I know. Um, it's so insane. <laughs> so thank you, Australia. And so we have these sort of on- ongoing costs. I'm like, all right, well, after these have gone, well, what do we do? And a lot of the conversations really early on was, all right, well, what do you guys want? Okay, cool. We'll, we'll base everything off that. And so it was a very individualized kind of focus. And so for Jack, very early on, it was like he was working as a barista. And we were getting to the point where we're earning a decent coin. And I was like, all right, so what would it take for me to hire you full time away from your uh, other job? And he's like, well, I earn this much in my other job. So if you can pay me that, I will quit that job. And I'm Mm. like, done. So we had a look at the finances and I was like, I other person that we're also like paying do you mind taking a pay cut for a couple of months? Mm. <laughs> they were like, yeah, that's fine. That makes sense for the company. Sure. Small term sacrifice, long term reward. Um, because I know with Jack working from um, us more full time, me full time, we could get more things done. Mm. And so we did that. And, you know, within a short period of time, it was like everyone was back up to a better playing field because it was, again, that whole idea of, you know, what do we, what can we like base live off? What could we actually mm. need? And what's actually really good, but what, what, what will I settle for? And so a lot of um, conversations with the staff is that, is kind of like, cool. Well, technically you work really breaking it down one day a week. So that'll be this. And if we want you for two days a week, how much? Okay, cool. That's a goal. Let's work towards that. And that's sort of a discussion with like every single person they have. And so, uh, so for one, you know, she was, um, working full time and she, unfortunately was getting the, like RSI mm. and she's like, I'm, I'm quitting my job. And I'm like, okay, cool. Well, what will I need to pay you that you don't have to keep searching for other stuff? Cause like, I want to have you more on, on side and you know, a bit more full time. And she's like, well, rent is this bills are this. So this much money. I'm like, done, mm. just done. We can pay that. And hopefully you know, with you that working more, you know, uh, more full time, we can then hopefully raise what we're sort of earning in terms of advertising as well, and well as um, subscribers as that kind of thing. And so, yeah, that, that's sort of each, each person is more of an individual than we chat to. Mm. We, I guess works for us because we're a, a lot smaller company in that we're very, very individualized and we sort of all do different shows, but still sort of together. Yeah. And that sort of yeah. works for us. Yeah. And no, I find that so interesting and I'm not sure if other people will, but I just, <laughs> I, cause I, it is that the business models are interesting in this whole world because obviously mm. all of our podcasters are very independent. We're yeah. not, we are a big family, but we all create our own shows and we're creating them beforehand before exactly. we all came on the one 
platform. Mm. So we run things quite differently, but I'm currently, as the end of the financial year is approaching, <laughs> having oh, a yeah. look. Oh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Oh, God. Ah. Having a look at our, at our structures and you're constantly kind of reassessing, mm. aren't you, and, and trying to yeah. work out what works best. Yeah, and yeah. we had that similar situation because when we took on like a, a, another another show um, with a, a big soft titty.png, mm. which is it's the first time we've sort of done this. You know, we had them on the show, clicked well with them, loved their – and I adored their um, show um, yeah. before they came on. Like I was a big, big fat nerd of them um, before sort of meeting them. So like meeting them, I'm like, be cool, Joel, be cool. I wasn't cool. No, I know. Uh, <laughs> that's the thing in this job. You get to kind of meet people that you go, oh, my God. I mean, I so, and that's yeah. a similar problem. Or they are this sort of independent show up there and they're based in a different state and they just do their own thing. And it's sort of like, okay, cool. How do we – do that as well mm. and i like reliability that's something that I, I i never really had growing up not growing up had uh in my sort of teen years working for like you know safeway or like whatever mm. it was the, the there, casual kind yeah. of contract stuff yeah, yeah so there's no nothing like i would even in my my um job as a teacher it, there was no reliability i would have happily taken the biggest pay cut if there was reliability and um security there so we tend to work on, uh, I guess, like goals and increments. So it's like, cool. Well, I'm happy to be, say, look, we'll give you, you know, $400 a month. It's not a lot right now, but hey, it's a start and you know that's going to come, you know, rain, hail or sleet. So there it is. And that's that. And that's sort of the budget for the show, I guess. And, you know, you guys can sort it out how you want it to. And then we can kind of, you know, when things improve and when things start going well, we can up that, up that, up that. Uh, it's this sort of thing in the back of my head that I can give pay rises and I can't give pay cuts because um, yeah. I think that would be, you know, it, it, heartbreaking. It, it's heartbreaking. And it, it, it is not like I have had to do that sort of a, on a recent kind of thing where I was just like, okay, well, things weren't as good as we thought they were. So we're just going to have to roll things back a month. Um, yeah. And, you know, no one was happy, including myself. And it is this kind of thing where you need to be like, I like thinking long-term. So mm. if I have $1,000, I can give someone $200 for five months, and that's the name would be happy with that, for example, mm. rather than giving them, like, here's $1,000, do good. Yeah, yeah. Um, and because that way I can budget for it, and that way, you know, in my experience anyway, if, if I had the option, I would take the two over um, five months simply because then I'm like, oh, cool, I know I have something coming in. So if, you know, things go really bad – I at least know I have a very bare minimum coming my way. And yeah. so I sort of approach it like that to be like, if you want, and we tend to bulk record, which is, I guess, the benefit of not doing a, um, like a weekly news show. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, like the weekly banner. Like the weekly banner. <laughs> yeah. uh, you've got to keep up to date with things, um, which look well done. I think we tried that very early on doing like a weekly show. Oh, not for me. So we tend to bulk record and this ability of doing that is is beneficial because we can be like well let's you break everything down so it's like this you know there's 52 weeks mm -hmm. yes good certainly oh. sir yes 52 weeks in a year now not say that with confidence <laughs> 52 weeks. so you break it down to be like well there's 52 episodes that i need to record cool so we need to break it down to that so that's the number that we have at the start of the year and so we're like cool well let's try and get that down as quick as we can and so you know in a day we can record Upwards, like sometimes we've recorded six episodes in a day. Wow. So we're like sick. That's six weeks of content sorted. And so we rush, 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 rush. 
and we bulk record all this content and we have it sorted so then we can have periods of rest that we can mm. have periods where there is no stress uh which is sort of what we sort of really been pushing for for a lot which means then we can and we say no re- like we say rest or holidays or whatever but then it becomes awesome well that's now complete what can we do now and so then we start doing other things like you know mm. then we can tour and then we can go overseas and mm-hmm. do that kind of stuff as well or then we can put some time into some other projects mm. that we want to do so we end up having this model of like yes we can do all this stuff quickly and get it over and done with and then we can have time to do more things and fit more things in yeah. and feed the border collie. Yeah, um, look, guys, I'm starting to see a pattern of a problem. I, I think I am starting <laughs> to see a pattern over there, Joel, definitely. Ooh. Yeah. So on the world tour, because I know yes. you you did the tour in the UK, mm-hmm. and we obviously over here at Planet Broadcasting would love to do tours but are still at the very early beginning phase of trying yes. to figure out how that would work and getting Meso, who does the weekly Planet podcast, with my husband some extra Valium for the plane because he hates flying. <laughs> I found a sheet of Valium in my like travel like <laughs> luggage the other day. And I was like, oh, thank Christ. Yeah. Because my, oh, that'll, that'll get you through uh, a 27-hour flight. I tell you what. Yeah. <laughs> so what's your advice around touring? How did you structure it? Who did you have to help you? Um, what's your advice in setting it up? Uh, so for touring, uh, we had a, a very good friend, uh, Mark Chatterley, who is based in the UK. And he really helped us out in the... Um, the first sort of tour and this sort of upcoming tour as well uh in that he sort of provided accommodation for us for free thank you so much <laughs> um and he just kind of like helped drive us around and all those kind of things and it was a very good um again a, ni- a nice rock to have mm. who we could sort of keep going back to we sort of structured it I, th- I think because we're all workhorses we're also very dumb <laughs> in that we just have a goal with us to do it and I know definitely for this upcoming one. Uh, so Mark was trying to plan this for us before. And he's like, here's some ideas. So you have like, you don't travel and perform on the same day. You have some break days. Mm-hmm. And we looked at that and the three of us were like, no, we're here to work. Let's, we can like travel and perform the same day. Don't be silly. And so oh. we're like, let's have 16 more dates. And <gasps> this. Um, and so the first two was very, very uh, independently done um, and quite stressful. We, we have had a lot more help with um, Mark helping us out and being our liaison, which is oh, it's just so much nicer to have someone who can do it in like a time zone that, you know, they are Works. in. Yeah. Um, Delegation, I'm hearing. Yeah. I learn. I see. I yeah. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that it though? You've got to trial and learn things the hard way mm-hmm. and then do it differently next time. Yeah. So a lot of it was trial and error and a lot of it was like succeeded to through no help of our own. Like... It just was a lot of luck and a lot of perseverance. Whereas this time around, we've sort of got a bit more of a announce of it all. And like, you know, we made sure we booked all the venues first before we announced it and all that kind of jazz. Mm. So should be a lot of fun, hopefully. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully. <laughs> Have you kind of got some things that you're going to do for yourself to to prevent sort of an Edinburgh cafe? <laughs> yes. So we're I'm, I'm heading up early. I'm heading up a couple of weeks early before the rest so I can have a bit of a break. So I'm heading up two weeks before everyone else does and just kind of having my own sort of holiday, as it were. And while we are in Edinburgh, so we're going for Edinburgh Fringe and we're only doing four shows over two weeks. So that should hopefully be a bit more of a calm before the storm. Mm. Um, and then it's pretty much go time, um, which will be a lot of fun. 
and we do we're part of a, the London Podcast Festival as well. And we did knowingly block that whole period out as well. So we've got one show on uh, the Thursday, the 13th. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we're not performing the other nights. So we've sort of taken those time off to see other shows that are there and also to give ourselves a little bit of a break. Mm, yeah. So th- those are important to have. Days where you do nothing, oh, so important. Oh, yeah, especially with a Joel that likes to lie on a couch. Oh, he loves this. You've got, you've got to look after that Joel as well oh, as I, the I Joel do. that works hard. Exactly. you got to work hard and play hard. Yeah. What? yeah. No. Yes, that's yes. right, isn't it? Work hard and play hard. Absolutely. Okay, well, we're nearly at the end. This has been so lovely to have you here, and I thank you so much. I know how busy you are. Oh, thanks for having me. What would the kid Joel say to the Joel now? Um, you know, like eight-year-old Joel. What's a podcast? Um, <laughs> you know, but well, in whatever fa- format it is, what do you uh, think? What would he say? I don't know if he'd say anything. Would be ask questions. I think it would just be like, "Are you happy?" Mm. And I, I think for the first time in a while, I can be like, "Yeah." <gasps> That's good. That's great. Well, I'm glad to hear that. Me too. You should be proud. Congratulations, Thank mate. Thank you so much. And, and, and so should you, you know. Oh, look. We're giving it all a bell, aren't we? We're giving it a bell and trying our best. And I think when you're out on the edge trying to make stuff mm. in that spot where you're not sure whether you're doing the right thing or not. Oh, yeah, definitely. It just it just helps if you can stand there and kind of go, am I happy? Yeah. Yeah. And that's the goal, isn't it? It is. For a bit. You can't be happy all the time. No, no, no. That's a goal. It's a goal. Yeah, it's a goal. It's a goal. Oh, and one more thing too. What advice would you give to people out there who are stuck on that couch? Um, Get up. Just get up. Get up and do a thing, anything, whatever that could be. Even if it's like making toast. You don't make a thing straight away. You don't finish it like at once. Just start it. Um, mm. There are so many people that start something, you know, the, the, that old adage of like, oh, I just want to write my novel. Just do it. You know, you hear people being like, well, I want to be a writer. And it's just like, well, then no, say you are a writer and write. Mm. And like the creative process is different for everyone. And some people write every day and some people only write when the time is right or something like that. But get up and do something. Mm. Uh, and I guess find whatever it is that makes you happy. Uh, and, and I think that is a very important thing as well there's Mm. so many people that we talk to that is this like they go to work and they hate their job and they're doing it to sort of like earn a little bit of money to keep going Mm. and you're like is that really living Mm. so i'd say give it give it a go failing is important failing isn't the be all and end all and if there's one thing i could really teach to a lot of people is failing isn't bad Failing is very, very good. The importance is failing forward. Mm. And lo- using those things that's happened that are those, you know, hardships in life. And yes, you are walking through all this shit. And yes, sometimes it's a tunnel full of it. But hopefully you'll get to the other end and you'll you'll have learnt a lot. Even if that is just learning to wade through shit. <laughs> <laughs> you'll still have learnt it. <laughs> I think that's the secret of life, isn't it? Yeah. Just keep wading through the shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Occasionally you hit some gold. Exactly. And then you're back in the shit. <laughs> <laughs> I should stop swearing. Oof. Yeah. No, thank you for your advice. And thank you for everything you've done for the podcast industry. So, thank you so much. You've been listening to a podcast called Just Make the Thing with me, your host Claire Tonti and Joel Zamet. Oh, I learned a lot from this chat. 
I think if you're out there trying to make something, you really just have to start and then uh, fail a lot. I think that's kind of the learning that I took from our chat and just generally, you have to fail a lot to be able to make something work and not be afraid of it. If you want to find more of our podcast, subscribe in iTunes and leave us a rating or a review. We would love that. You can also go to our website, planetbroadcasting.com, where there are more shows just like this one. You can find more about Zol. Zol. <laughs> you can find more about Joel Zammett at sansfansradio.com. They have lots of great podcasts there and you can subscribe and do all kinds of things. I have some great merch and lots of live shows coming up. So I highly recommend heading over there. I'm also on Instagram at Claire Tonti and on Twitter at Mrs. Sunday Movies where I tell stories and occasionally share some ridiculous things that I've got up to, including this week I tried to make a carrot cake, forgot to uh, line the tin and then smashed it everywhere. So I currently have a big bowl of cream cheese icing and uh, nowhere to put it. Anyway doesn't matter persistence hey isn't that what it's all about i think hopefully so that's it from me Uh, a big thank you to raw collings as always who edits this show and he's a real trooper he's doing such a great job if you would like to donate to our charity campaign for care australia uh, i'm so blown away by everyone's responses to that it's awesome the link is below in the show notes as is all of the things that you need to find out about us and our website and everything else I'd highly recommend checking out some of our other shows. There's lots being dropped every week, so get those in your ears. And just finally, I wanted to share a little bit of a reflection today just about all the things that we've learnt, I think, in the journey in building Planet Broadcasting, and I learnt through listening to Joel talk about Sans Pants Radio. Nothing is perfect. Nothing could ever be perfect. And even when you see those people at the height of their careers, behind the scenes, nothing is perfect. So you have to kind of remember that you've got to be kind to yourself, I think, and kind to other people and patient and try and understand where people are coming from. Because often when you're building something or making something, there are so many mistakes that are ha- that happen from above and below and everywhere. So You just want to make sure that you treat yourself kindly and treat others kindly too. I think as well that when you fail, you learn so much more about yourself. And if you don't give up, there's there's something in that idea of hitting rock bottom and then picking yourself up again that grows you as a person, as an artist, as someone that makes stuff. Um, And so you're missing out if you're scared of failing because that's what actually the whole process is. You can't make something without failing. People who are at the top of their game fail the most because they've persisted the most. And that learning, I think, is a lesson I seem to be hitting over and over again. So I don't know if that helps you, but that knowledge kind of helps me and also makes me feel good too, I think. The more I speak to people who make stuff, the more I think we're all just giving it a shot. But you've got to be in the game to get anywhere. And I think if we just get stuck on the couch, as Joel was talking about, in that sort of state of suspended fear, nothing will happen. But bad stuff still does happen even when you don't move. So you may as well get moving and pursue that thing you want to pursue. Okay, enough rambling from me. I hope that made sense. But I think that we shouldn't be afraid to just fall flat on our face and uh, accidentally break the, the cake or whatever. Stick some icing on it and uh, it'll still taste good anyway. Learning. 
Okay. Uh, chat to you soon, guys. Bye. Josh Earl here from the podcast Don't You Know Who I Am? And if you don't know who I am, I host the podcast Don't You Know Who I Am? Which is a quiz show where I get four very, very funny people and quiz them all about their lives. Previous guests include people like Hamish Blake, Sean McAuliffe, Will Anderson, Hannah Gadsby, Denise Scott, Fiona O'Loughlin, Celia Pacola, Anne Edmonds, Becky Lucas. The list goes on and on and on and on. And there are over 100 episodes. If you've never heard it, go to iTunes, type in Josh Earl or Don't You Know Who I Am, or you can go to joshearl.com.au slash podcast and find the entire back catalogue there. Hopefully you come on board. It's a lot of fun. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.